seen. Gravel, 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 gravel. 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 Well, good gravel, and welcome to Gravel Cast. Episode ninety gravel. Okay, I think I think we I think you made your point. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, good evening and welcome to episode ninety eight of the Yay Red Podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T Bone, and this is Cheerio. Well, the word that is on everyone's lips this week, this month, this year this this is the year of gravel is gravel. And I thought we'd just kick off the uh, episode 98 of the Yay Red Podcast, diving right into gravel and gravel grinding and just the hoopla and the excitement and uh, just, I don't know, I, I just we, we did a race this past weekend, Townsend, you and I, we went up to uh, Hattiesburg and raced in the Mississippi Gravel Cup Camp Shelby Gravel Grinder. That's it. Presented by Low Forks. Yes. And high fives. And uh, had a blast. Look. So let, let's just kick it off with the race report, ride report, vibe report. Mm. Matt did some Zwifting. He'll tell us, you, Matt, <laughs> did you did you ride in the gravel section of Zwift this I, weekend? I, I rocked some. No, actually, I didn't ride any gravel in Zwift uh, this weekend. I only did, uh, I only did the New York uh, route. There was no gravel involved. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's actually an anti-gravel sort of. It route. is. I was riding on glass or yeah. whatever, some kind of translucent <laughs> electric surface. staircase. Well, I mean, yeah. could you make the argument that glass is re- just really small? It is. If you take rocks, pieces of gravel smashed together. That's true because you grind rocks down into sand and then you heat them up and you make glass. Yeah, smooth. It's the smoothest gravel there is. It's a, well, I mean, when you get right down to it, what is asphalt? Just a bunch, just a bunch of gravel. gravel. It's just gravel. down. It's just cooked up gravel. It's like it's like it is to it is to gravel what crack cocaine is to uh, cocaine. Mm. Right? It's cooked down yeah. and, and reformulated. I was basically riding on uh, meth, right? Which is <laughs> <laughs> you were in City Park, uh, Central Park, New York. Yeah, actually, I have no idea what it's like there. So sorry for making it's generalizations. Very nice. Yeah. But we digress. We digress. Yeah, back yeah. to gravel. Back to actual gravel riding, mm. racing. Aggregate. Racing on aggregate. Yeah. Uh, in the DeSoto National Forest forest in Mississippi, beautiful conditions. Uh, oh, man. Great stuff. Weather was great. The road conditions were awesome. Um, I had, I'm going to say I had probably one of my better races of my, I don't know, six-year racing career. Not that I, my result is anything, you know, remarkable for anybody else, but it was personally, I felt like I, I put in a good effort and I prepared for this event 
And I was kind of stoked that I put it all together and got it, got, got top 10. Mm-hmm. You, hey, hey. I'm not going to say that getting top 10 at Camp Shelby is the same as Taylor Finney getting top 10 at Roubaix, but it's kind of like me getting, it is kind of like Taylor Finney getting top 10 at Roubaix. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but... Yeah, based on your relative skills to the relative (laughs) skills of of Taylor Finney and the relative um, caliber of the race Mm. of the Camp Shelby Gravel Grinder versus Roubaix. Yes. So would you say that you're pretty fucking stoked? I'm pretty fucking stoked, dude. I got top 10 at Camp Shelby. Yeah. So are dude, you gonna, I just got top 10 at Camp Shelby. Are you going to retire next season like Hell Tay-Tay did? Yeah. I'm retiring right now. That was it. That was my first and probably only gravel race of the season. This is now your second retirement, I believe. It is. Yep. Yeah. So to your point, Bodie, um, you did have a great race. And you had a... I, yes, I also... You got had, an actual podium. Yeah, I finished second in my age group, 50 plus. Um, and, and I will just say as a general rule, it's amazing how much faster and better I got as a bike racer when I turned 50 <laughs> and started racing against other 50 year olds. I, I look, I'm, I'm 39, uh, next year I'll be in the, this, this year I will be in, I could be eligible for the 40 plus cross races. So I'm looking forward to some podiums. Let me make a quick aside here. And it's not just because I'm now over 50 and I don't want to compete against guys that are over 40, but 50 really is the new 40. Maybe 50 is even the new 30. And I do think that it's time. I think camp, I think the Mississippi gravel cup is doing this right. I do feel like 50 is really the, 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 the cutoff. The master's uh, age. I think that, 50 is the master's age. Yeah. Totally unfair because... Did you feel like that when you were in your 40s, though? Uh, I guess I didn't really think about it that much when I was in my 40s. Um, but I do think looking at the way the competition sh- sort of shook out in uh, in Camp Shelby, I just feel like... I, I, I just Again, I'm not saying this because of my particular demographic or because I did better because of where the the split was but i really do think just generally speaking that is the new sort of master is kind of the the, where the where it really breaks down ability wise now in masters maybe maybe it was 40 at one point in time when there were a bunch of you know know, young guns killing it but but maybe it varies from uh you know the you know, in crits, would it be the same as it would be in like gravel? It's more of an endurance thing, that kind of thing. So, yeah, not, not really sure. Well, I mean, all the people who were 50 10 years ago were 40, right? And so they were, you know, it's 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 like that group has sort of aged up. If you to think about someone like Adam Meyerson, who was a pro for very late in his year, he talks about like the people of his generation or like kind of that first, like in the modern era generation of masters and how they've been aging up now and so yeah yeah um but i mean like that's unfair because it's unfair to me because <laughs> our second year our first year across delta states had the masters at 35 yeah and so the next year i turned 35 and they bumped it up to 40 right now you're going to turn 40 and Wait, and townsend and i'm now i'm lobbying to make it 50 how about that wasn't masters it was 40 plus first year, wasn't no, it? No, I believe it was 35 plus. I think plus. it was 35. Or wow. maybe that was in Alabama, it was 35. I, I was going to say, because I, I still finished uh, second overall that first year. Well, now, now we digress again, yeah, and I'm sorry, really? I, I took us off Wait. on a tangent. I, I want to say this about the, uh, about the race on, on Saturday. Um, 
one of the things that I think uh, gravel has gotten right, and I, I say gravel has gotten right, I don't know if every gravel race is this way, but one of the things that, that Jason and the Mississippi Gravel Cup is doing right is the, is the mass start. You know, every, for every mileage, that whole group starts together. There were, yeah. what, 173 people on the starting line for the 50-mile race. It shakes itself out. Everybody ends up getting to uh, racing with, the, with an, an appropriate group. Um, you don't suffer that the sort of dropsy syndrome that you do in a road race where once you get dropped by the group, you're just hopelessly dropped. Yeah. This is a race where you can find your group to race with. And I think it makes for better racing across all the various ability ranges um, because there's the ability for you to race amongst people that you're equally situated against. And, um, and I think that's something really special and it made for a lot of fun. If, for instance, I had been in a, in a, in a category group um, with the people that you were racing with, Bodie, I probably would have gotten dropped from that group. And if there hadn't been a, a bunch of other people behind, I may have just been off the back of that race the whole day. But as it, as it was, you know, when the race shook itself out, um, there were enough people around that we could coalesce back into a little bit of a peloton of our own and, and ride and race together. And it just was a ton of fun. And I think that that is, I think that's a, a model going forward for amateur racing that is um, interesting, competitive, maybe even a little bit easier to deal with because you're not dealing with, with you know, wave after wave of, of race group going off. It flies pretty much directly in the face of, you know, years and years and years of mentality of amateur bicycle racing, which says, you know, equally situated groups or categories or, you know, race rankings or category rankings race together and you only, you know, they're, they're literally in USAC rules against racing with people that aren't in your mm-hmm. category. Well, and, and well, hang on, hang on. That That's, so there's a difference here though. This sort of, that's like road racing. Um, you know, I think, I do think, would this work in cross or crits? Probably not. I think there's a little bit of difference in the sort of more endurance side things. And yeah, in road racing, you are in a separate race technically, but because of the amount of money and time, you know, you are on the same circuit at the same time, but you're not actually in the quote unquote same race. So that's why there's a rule against you racing. Now, that being said, yeah, that you could, we could do a road race with a mass start. And, you know, gravel seems to have categories, but it's, it's, it's broken up uh, by age now, right? So you see a lot of events, you know, it's a 10-year age group. There's always, there's, sometimes they have open, like this race had to open, you know, then, then, then so actually Camp Shelley was, was broken up by age, mm-hmm. sex, weight, and, yeah, there was a Clydesdale category, mm-hmm. and um, gear, uh, equipment choice, single speed. Um, so, which, you know, I don't think it's a category, it's an equipment choice, but whatever. (laughs) Um, but we do that in cross, so. We do, I disagree with it. Um. (laughs) All right. Well, you should have spoken up at the, uh, the meeting this year. (laughs) So, I mean, I I had a thought, what, what if you did a, what if you did a strictly age-based cross race? Which, what if you just said, 
what do you just had an, an open race? Do you should just whatever anybody can do the open call it open slash elite. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your you know thirty to forty, forty to fifty, fifty to sixty categories. I like it. I like Five mixing it up. Races. I was talking to Taylor Gorman of uh, Crush Racing. We've had her on the podcast before. She was uh, very vocal at this year's Lambert meeting about ways to sort of juice up racing and make it a little more fair and a little more interesting and have people race people regardless of gender, mm-hmm. even racing against people that they were equally matched against. And I think maybe uh, you know sort of some sort of an ABC race model that had maybe some age categories within them that was that was maybe. Uh, uh, well, yeah, just organized that way. I think could be could be interesting. Well, I, I'll bring it back to uh, you're probably not going to like this, but on Zwift, if you do Zwift races, they are in A, B, C, D categories, and they basically go on your watts per kilogram. That's, well, yeah, I mean that's that's basically it goes on what your FTP watts per kilo is. That would probably be that is. I mean, your watts per kilo is the only measure way that you can really fairly separate those groups and. Honestly, if, if you could do that in real world, I think it probably would shake out to be the most evenly competed races. But that is essentially what U, USAC's category system has tried to do right. is is clump like skilled people together no matter their, you know, age or sex um, or I guess I'm trying to think. Yeah. So, so I mean, you can race... You know, and as long as you're in that same category, you are essentially the same skill group. And that seems to be, on one hand, it seems to be a more democratic way of doing it. But it, we're seeing it. I guess it doesn't hadn't shook out that way, or maybe I don't know. I guess looking at this event and just the way we've sort of been talking about this for the last year is we're trying to find new ways to think about racing. And I think I, one of my, my hot take is that I think that gravel is essentially an extension of road racing. And I think it is the extension or the evolution of road racing. Um, there are a plenty of people, and I was one of those persons at the front of the race in Townsend, you were also at the, the, you know, the front half of that 175 people who were racing, who were there for the racing experience. Mm-hmm. And then you had the people that back who were there for just the riding experience. And that's awesome. So this brings us both those people together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, looking at ways in which you can, can bring those people together. Cause right. There's people who go to a road race and it's either their first time or they really kind of want a ride experience, but all they have is road racing. You get dropped, you're by yourself I mean, I was by myself for an hour at the gravel race, but you guys were chasing me. There's people behind me chasing me, so it, it, it. I had something, you know. I was I was gunning for something. It wasn't. I was like dropped from the back of the race, and that was it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool. It's exciting. It's like a transitional time right now, and and I mean, I don't know. I feel like this this is a good segue into some other things on the agenda. But do we want to get into any brief race reports on? That camp, Shelby. You want to talk about how things played out? Anything? Uh, Nothing really noteworthy. To, no one uh, wants about, to hear my mediocre Cat Three race report. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's <laughs> that, that, that's not it's not particularly sort of like you know, grav gab worthy, is it? Oh, I forgot. I was going to call this. Yeah, grav gab. This is this is our new segment. Yeah, roll it.
So, yeah, I mean, look. I, well, I'm, no, I'm, hang on. So I asked that question. I'm going to answer. I do want to toot my own horn a little bit. Go for it. And talk about my cross skills to help me out in the gravel race. Well, okay, good. Because that was the one thing that I was going to point out uh, about this race that, that, that I thought was super cool. So you start, and, I'll, and then I'll, I'll piggyback on whatever so you say. So in this race... Um, this year it was like five miles in. I think uh, last year it was like seven or eight miles in. But Jason said that at start, at start lines, like at five miles in, you know, the bridge is out. You're going to have to dismount and go around two signs. And then you have a steep, rutted up climb. Oh. The year before, there was actually at the top of the climb, there was something to sort of grab. It was like a KOM. Whoever got there first, I don't know what it was, a gift certificate. I didn't get there first last year. Um, the night before, Jason posts a video of that section. Mm hmm. He's like, yeah, you can go around to the left here. There's like a path here. I'm like, oh, I think you can go around to the right as well. So in the race, I'm watching my bike computer. When we're getting close to five miles, I'm like, that's when I need to move myself to the front. Because I knew there was going to be a crash, which there was, which there was last year at the beginning. There was a crash. I was in front of it last year. I was in front of it this year. So I made that first split. And then we were going to the road out section. And uh, I dropped into my little ring when we're coasting down and jump off the bike I go right while everybody goes left in the long line. Get right to the front. Not everybody went left. <laughs> so I got be I was I was I got past the second sign behind two Velovit guys, and I just ran past them, remounted, and I was in the magic gear because as soon as I clicked in, I just spun up that hill, no problem. And I was nice. like, holy crap, I'm flying up this hill. And I was like, I can't wait to see what's up top because I'm going to grab it. Some sort of grist certificate. <laughs> there was nothing. There was nothing there. <laughs> but it was like, it was part of my plan. I was like, all right, let me get to the top of that hill because that's where the other split in the race happened last year. So if I get there near the front or at the front, I will be able in a good position to latch on to the guy, the fast guys as they come through. And that's exactly what happened. And then from there, I was in a, a group of 11 and that was the front of the race and we rode away. So nice. yeah, no, great job, Bodie, and I and I watched you disappear up that uh, up that steeply rutted out climb uh, with no problem. I was right behind you. Uh, I saw you moving up to the front. I also knew it was coming. I also moved myself up to the front. I was right on your wheel. I uh, instead of following everybody else around to the left because I was right on your wheel already. I saw you go to the right. It looked promising. Uh, it did work out. Uh, I made up a bunch of positions as you did, uh, but the, the couple Velovit riders that you ran around and, dis and uh, remounted in front of, I got stuck behind, uh, and one or both of those guys ended up having to put a foot down on that climb, and, um, and I, so I had to put a foot down behind them. We all, three, we all three had to jump off our bikes. Was it pretty narrow? It wasn't like you could get... There was pretty much one line, Yeah. Uh, and then there was one spot where there was a big washout, and you could... You had you could either tightrope around to the left, or you could ride the the solid line to the right. And as I tried to go around to take the solid line to the right, uh, these guys both put their foot down. And as you say, Bodie, that that's where the splits happened, and that's where I lost the front group for good uh, that day. I'm not saying I would have been able to to stick with them, but um, yeah, same thing happened to me last year as well. Um, got got gapped a little bit on that climb because I just got stuck behind some people. So. Uh, positioning there was very important and uh 
Yeah, so I, Great I, job. I, I just thought I, I, I was stoked that I had a game plan. That was my game plan for the race was, was that, to that point, that five miles. And then from there, see what happened. And I, and, I, and I made it happen, and that doesn't happen a lot to me. It hasn't happened a lot in my racing career. So excited it could happen this weekend. And uh, was, you know, I always talk about, like, uh, you know, I don't win a lot of races. I don't get a lot of podiums. So you find other ways of, of winning or other ways of progressing or, mm-hmm. you know, in cross, it's like, can I rip that turn better than last year or last lap? Or can I just really, you know, smash the barriers really well? Like get through this super quickly or can I get the whole shot? All these like little wins that you can put together to have a good event. And I think that happened on Saturday and uh, yeah, I'm stoked. So awesome. So a lot of conversation online in the lead up to this race this is race number two of a four race gravel series this pretty much is our local gravel competitive gravel scene we also had the dead man gravel grind we shouldn't fail to mention that race um that that happened in early january then there was the oxford mississippi um uh race that was race number one of the mississippi gravel cup and then this was race number two just this past weekend um, but this is our, this is kind of our gravel scene and there's a lot of, uh, conversation going on right now, especially in light of, uh, the big USAC, uh, round table conference that they had about gravel, a uh, lot of disdain, I think, amongst the sort of gravel community for USAC, uh, for what they see at least as USAC trying to insert themselves somehow into, uh, this sort of blowing up gravel scene you know i'm i'm no huge usac defender even though i'm obviously well connected in with usac as president of our local association here um but that doesn't mean that i'm um gonna tow any party line in fact as i told a number of people in in hattiesburg one of the reasons i got involved in lambra and in usac is because i wanted to help it change and evolve and become something different than it has been and sort of be a bit more responsive to these kinds of grassroots events because frankly in my heart of hearts this is the way i'm wired and what i like to do i like to do these sort of low-key but competitive grassroots events well let me let me stop you there because this is i think this is a, a big point that sort of i'm seeing is like people are talking a lot about they're they're really saying echoing what you're saying that that there's some you know the gravel the vibe of the gravel is good and it's and they really like that feeling and, and so my question and, and it's purely out of curiosity is like did you not have that at cross did you not have to have a mountain bike like i'm asking what is the difference between the gravel and a cross race or a road race or a crit or a mountain bike or anything, any other event we've done, what do, you, what do you actually think facilitates that difference? Like, what is the difference maker? I definitely think it's a it, it's a bigger and more welcoming community of, of people. As you described, you know, the way the event is set up generally. It, it, but it's it, like a lot of the, we all, we I've like half those people I know from Cross and Road. For sure. And, and I certainly, I guess to answer your initial question, I do think that it's most similar in my experience to the, to the vibe of a, of a cyclocross race. Okay. Um, but you know, it's a different experience than cross. Um, 
Definitely. You know, look, from what I've heard from talking to people that, that uh, you know, from talking to all the people that don't show up to cyclocross races, yeah. um, a lot of people just aren't into cross because it's so freaking hard. It is. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. And, like, I, I always wondered, it, like, is it, you know, thinking about, like, road racing and, and crits are, you know, they're definitely road racing. It's a bad vibe. And, and I don't know. And it, it is a little bit different, I think, because of the setup and just the, the way the event plays out. And maybe coming back to the idea of mass start where you really aren't separating anybody. So, you, so at a at a big g big gravel event you know dirty cans you have the you know now you have the pros at the front and you have people who aren't pros right next to them you know racing with them maybe at a local level it's like you have the cat fives you know are completely different than one two threes but at the gravel event they're all sort of mixed together so that the element of all mixing together and not creating artificial divisions yeah maybe that helps with the vibe maybe like Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, as Jason, the race director of the Mississippi Gravel Cup said, you know, it's sort of like cheering for the guys, you know, who spend the most time on the course, cheering for the guy that, you know, takes eight hours to complete, you yeah. know, the, the 50 mile ride or, you know, it's probably not eight hours, but, you know, five hours to complete the 50 yeah. mile ride or, you know, eight and a half hours to do the hundred um, is kind of what it's all about. I feel like, you know, there's I feel like there's some of that in cross though. Yeah, good bit of that in cross yeah. for sure. But a lot less of that in road racing yeah, yeah, and in crits. Sure. Okay? Definitely. Road racing I mean, and crits and USAC, I think, still suffer from sort of like the jock lance wannabe effect, right? Like everybody fifteen years ago who showed up to a road race or a crit wanted to be their local area's version of Lance Armstrong, right? And like that's just that's not cool anymore, you know mm. what I mean? And it's just um, I, th I think well, there's like, well, like, I don't know, like, look at, I guess I, I understand what you're saying. And I think that with crits, you, I don't know, maybe it's like the speed of crits, right? Cause it's, you're going so much faster and it's a, the danger element is a little higher. So your adrenaline is higher. And so you get more of that fight or flight mentality. And that can mean, you know, like, Hey, when someone kind of like shuts the door on you or, he bumps your shoulders. You're a little more twitchy. You're like a little more vocal, loud, and that sort of can translate. And it becomes more of like a gladiator type sport, which I think there there is room for that, and there is a way to do it in a in a in a less in sort of more opening way. But I do see the difference between that and gravel. And the thing is, they don't well, have to be the same. I, w I would say okay. So there's a couple of things. Uh, uh, you know, listening to you guys, I want to talk about that. One thing is from from the crit point of view is if you're an amateur racer who's not no interest in becoming a professional racer, yeah. crit racing is not that exciting for somebody who has to pay their own health insurance and doesn't yeah. want to crash at high speed, who has a regular okay. job, yeah. right? It's like you have to be committed to do it and... It's something that it's not everybody's wired up for that as well. There's I, there's I also there's also yeah. no way to ride a chill crit. No. Yeah. Okay. No. no that's so a very you good can point. show up to a that's gravel a race yeah. and you can ride it and you can just decide. You know what? I'm just going to ride a chill gravel race right. and I'm not going to worry about the guys riding mm -hmm. on the front and I'm still going to have an experience. And, I'm still going to have a great myself. time and, and yeah. challenge myself. And that's the other thing is. Okay. You're you're gonna be. I like the I like the idea that 
you're all in a big group at the start, right? And then it's it's going to break apart. The really fast guys are going to go fast from the start because they're going to want to get away from everybody else behind them. They're going to want to form a selection pretty early. So you're, you know, if you're less, you know, uh, have less ability or, you know, power than those guys, you're going to be behind and you're going to be, you're going to find your own group to ride with and you guys are going to have fun together. And that's, I think that's a different thing. It's a different vibe. It's not about winning everything overall because you know that well, you're not going to win this race. Not for over- everybody. Yeah, no, I, I know it's, I know not for everybody, but the thing is that it manages to accommodate all of those gotcha, different gotcha. factions. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. I, I, think, right. I think that there is a way to make road racing, you know, on skinny tires and regular bikes. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a way to make that more attractive and to increase participation in road racing events um, by by learning some lessons about acceptability, not acceptability, um, but, you know, uh, what's inclusion? the word? Inclusion and, and comfort and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, welcoming people to the sport and not being so elitist about it. I think there are ways to, to weave some of these lessons into road racing. I truly don't think there's a way to save amateur crit racing from itself. I mean, I think it just is what it is. As Matt right. says, if you're, and, and you said, if you're a gladiator and you want to go out there and, and, you know, raise hell in a crit, um, then, then that's just, you're just going to have to do it. And there's pretty much one way to do that. So, so I would argue from the road racing point of view, isn't that what a grand fondo does? You have, yeah. you have timing chips and you have all that stuff and it's a big mass participation event. Everybody starts and it's about, hey, there might be a section on here where you could get the KOM or you could get this or, you know, even though you were further back, for instance, you could still win something along the course. I think it's that inclusion and that's why fondos have been so successful. Yeah. It's mass participation. You don't have to be a racer. You're showing up for a big event and there's lots of other people who are there who love riding bikes you're not all the same abilities and you don't all have the same set of envy wheels and you don't all, you know, it's, it's, it's more inclusive and that's why people are drawn to it rather than going to do a road race, you know, which is, which is more intense. It's more like you're in this pocket and you've got to do well in this little pocket of of this group of people. And the problem as well with that is that, you know, we've seen it in the road racing scene with the categories especially like you know we're we're a small this is a small pond right here Mm -hmm. and when you have a category where there's two people in it that's no fun at all and if you can't and you have and you're having a separate race for those two people it doesn't make any sense does it no yeah no i I think those are really good points and i'm 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 understanding that i think i like i said before I, i think it is exciting to kind of see what you know what we can do as promoters um, and racers, like to help to ev- to evolve the scene. And and what are things like? There are still cool things about road racing. There are cool tarmac roads out there. And you know, I am still a fan of, of a circuit and a and a, I, I like the idea of events that are very spectator friendly. Um, so I gravitate towards a cross and the crits. And and I like the idea of of making these things that are. That that other the people can watch, which I can't. You don't gravel. You have a little bit of that, and it's usually at the end or the beginning. So a way to sort of like fill in that middle part of the race while still entertaining crowds is appealing to me. And I, I think there's 
I think there's ways to do new things and, you know, the idea of Fondo is interesting and like, you know, the things like the race around the lake that Zach and Taylor did. And, you know, if that's something you can do as, you know, a sanctioned event, I think, yep. you know, USAC is obviously showing that they're, they are adapting and that they want to change. And, you know, Townsend, you and I as, as promoters and part of Lambra are trying to understand and keep up with what's happening on USAC. Um, and what is the new thing and, and how do we, how do we bring as promoters, if we want to bring gravel into USAC, how do we do that within that system mm-hmm. that still is appealing? And, and, and we're, we're, you know, trying to, trying to find and try to push the envelope over here and see, you know, what can we do with USAC? And, and I, I guess, and this is to kind of what you initially touched on was that there's been a lot of like talk in the media about, uh, USAC and gravel and then UCI and gravel. Right. And you have a lot of the promoters who are, and a lot of people talking about how, you know, UCI, USAC, and you stay away from gravel. You're going to ruin gravel. And my point is, like, I don't understand, like, if you were, if you're the promoter of Dirty Cans, and I'm not saying that they've come out and said anything about this, but like, I'm just using the, you know, as I call it, big G gravel event as an example. You're putting on a good event. Your event's going to be great because you're running it. Like, there's, like, you, use the UCI is not going to practice eminent domain and take over your event and, and like, sanction it, right? Like, right. if you want your event to go to the UCI... That's your that's, choice. That's your choice as the promoter. Right. And that's what you decide is the best move. And so, like, and if, in USAC, you, like, you don't have to get involved with USAC. And, and if USAC wants to say, well, these are the rules for our gravel events great like you you are doing it without usac or uci right now you'll be fine so like it's i i'm kind of wondering what why you see these people sort of coming out in that sense as opposed to trying to like look at it from like what you know what what can be offered to us or what can we do to use it to grow or i don't know well i think you hit the nail on the head when you said the word rules um, because I think that that's what a lot of people are concerned about. Because I think that a lot of people saw USAC for years as this giant rulemaking body, and they just ruled—not ruled as in ruled like a king, but ruled as in made rules. They ruled cycling to death, and they ruled all the fun out of cycling. And I think that's what a lot of folks that are doing gravel are worried about. Uh, so I think instead of, of USAC poising themselves to, uh, or positioning themselves to, to try to impose some sort of rule structure on any kind of gravel races, my personal feeling is that they ought to look to see what it is they can do to help this growing sport. You know, as the organization that is tasked with promoting cycling as an amateur sport in the United States and identifying potentially professional talent to bring to international competitions. Mm-hmm. I think USAC has every reason to want to be yeah. engaged in the gravel discussion because it, because it has become such a big part of cycling and they are, for all intents and purposes right now, the organization that is primarily tasked with promoting cycling throughout the country. There are things that, that, that USAC can do. Um, and, and I sort of made the analogy with sort of like bike flights to bike shipping, right? You know, 
bike flights is not trying to tell you, you know, how you should ship your bike. In fact, bike flights is basically just negotiating rates with, it was FedEx and now it's UPS. And they're providing cyclists with a service um, at a reduced rate that they are able to use their bigger negotiating they're power. A broker. Yeah, to broker these rates. Yeah. USAC is essentially doing the same thing with insurance for cycling events. You want to insure your cycling event? You can go out on the open market and you can find some Joe Schmo insurance company to insure your event, or you can work with USAC to get a, a, a potentially lower, often lower negotiated rate with, the, with any profits that are generated from that going to a company that is not just some insurance company that doesn't give a shit about cycling, but actually going it back into a, a, an organization that's concerned yeah. with making cycling better. That's, um, that's an awesome point. I mean, and so there's a great service there that USAC can provide, and, and, and they might as well embrace that. And for what it's worth, I think that our little local area here with Jason and the Mississippi Gravel Cup, Jason is, is doing just that. I believe he's insuring his events and permitting his events through USAC as a Grand Fondo. No rules, no licenses. Yeah. That's a good thing, in yeah. my opinion. Um, more inclusive. More inclusive. Um, so he's taking he's taking the good parts of what USAC has to offer and ignoring the parts that don't fit with his model. He has every right to do that. There's no need for tension or argument yeah. or anything between that. Take what you need, leave the rest, and and he's got a great product and it's insured. Right. It's it's safe. He doesn't need USAC to tell him how to time his event, how to score his event, how to categorize his event, who can race with who. He doesn't need any of that. But but USAC can provide something to him and, in fact, is. And I think he or we as a, you know, he as a promoter and we as the local USAC folks that are, you know, I, I guess, it's not like he's really working with me or any of us to do this. He's just getting his insurance through USAC. But that may be the model for, for, for yeah, but growing gravel. Exactly. You're saying that's a good example of how it can work. And, I think it's uh, a great example. How the system and Right. I think that's a good point. And look, and I, I do want to make sure I, I state this, that there was a gravel summit that USAC put on. And, and Tim Johnson, who called the summit with all the big gravel, big mm -hmm. G gravel promoters, was like, look, we're not trying to get a slice of the pie. We're trying to do exactly what you said, Townsend. We're trying to let, figure out how we can be a part of this and how we can be of service. So I think, like, people, folks who are racing gravel, like, if you have fun events out there, like, they're going to be fun and you're going to have a great time. Don't worry about it. Like, it's cool. Yeah. I, I would say in contrast to, to USAC's approach, I doubt the UCI will have the same approach. Yeah, that was, that was actually going to say that same yeah. thing. I, I think yeah. I think the thing is UCI would like to have a professional gravel world cup or something like that and a professional gravel world championships. And I, I read an interesting, I think it was... Uh, and that would be cool. Well, yes and no. But then, you know, uh, I read, uh, I think it was in Cycling News, Lachlan Morton was being interviewed and he said, you know... There already is a Gravel World Championships. It's Dirty Kanza. That is the Gravel World Championships. Well, no, he's wrong. There actually is a Gravel World. Oh, yeah. okay. There in is a Gravel World. Pennsylvania? Is no, that no, Gravel World in... is Nebraska? Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. So there's going to be now, now there's going to be a Gravel World, and it's going to be like single speed world championship kind of thing or something like that, maybe, or whatever. But the, 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 the thing is, is like the Gravel scene is... The whole thing that we've been saying is like, it's about inclusivity. You get to line up with the pros. Imagine like if you did Dirty Kanza when Sven Ness did it, Sven, uh, Sven crashes out. 
you finish, you beat Sven Ness. <laughs> right? You beat yeah. Sven Ness in a gravel race. Yeah. So you're not going to get to do that in a pro, except like, you know, you're going to get to race against pros in in essence. Well, we don't, we don't know what, what a UCI uh, sanctioned gravel race could be. I mean, just could be Strada Bianchi. Well, I mean, that's an obvious one, right? So like it, the, the promoter of Strada Bianchi. <laughs> Paris Roubaix. Strada Bianchi's promoter went and met with Lapatian and then Lapatian is like, we want to be into gravel and, and do it. And it's like, okay, well, whatever. You can, you can add more gravel to your races that you already well, yeah, have thing, I or guess add, I don't, I don't add understand. ones that are gravel in the world tour or whatever. But it's like... I feel like UCI is a really easy target to shit on. But like, so if UCI makes a gravel series, how does that affect these other gravel events that are out there? Wait, let me come to... I don't me, think it does. Let me, let me come to UCI's defense just for a second on this whole, you know, we want to get into this new thing of gravel. I have three words <laughs> in response to that. Tro, bro, Leon. Absolutely. That's dirt, bro. Oh, come on, man. Farm, that's it's hard right. pack, bro. No, 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 but I think... Hard, hard pack is the new dirt. That's, that's, that's a good point, though, right? Like, so, like, could you just make... Could you just call those? Like, could you just say that Tro, bro, Leon, Strada Bianchi, uh, fucking Paris-Roubaix are the new gravel cup? Sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, you can, a, you can have things that exist in various different things, right? So there's, like... It's yes, it's a monument, monument, but it's also part of the gravel cup or the or the dirt cup or whatever the hell you want to call it or the, you know, the Plugstrasses or what you know. Wh- however, you want to sell it, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but there are riders that are going to gravitate more towards those events because they're going to have the skills for those events. Right, and like just like riders uh, gravitate towards the classics, and Urstroms gravitate towards the Grand Tour. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great i think it's fine i think we're gonna be okay i think we're at an exciting time and if you're a fan of racing if you're a fan of road racing you're just a fan of racing in general like this is kind of cool to see this stuff happening and you know look what's really interesting is the way in which the the cycling media has really like attached on has gone all in on gravel now cycling news one of it's kind of the worst cycling websites out there very traditional yeah or just like will post like doesn't do race reports doesn't do anything. They are now covering stateside gravel races. The now now this this gravel series that's been happening in California called the Grasshopper Series for like twenty years is now the opening event of the gravel calendar mm-hmm. because you know we had Peter Stetna there. You know we didn't even talk about like the new gravel pro. And they had they had they had a pre-race story, Pros. and then they had yeah. like a a race report from the story. Velo News did a like race report on power for someone who won Gravel Worlds in Nebraska. So it's it's really interesting to see this media like boom like this is the gravel gravy train that we are all hopping on. And I mean, yeah. Well, apparently this is an all gravel episode of the Yeti Ride so. podcast look, it's, so far. It's, we can like, keep it all gravel. Look, I mean, look, we started off our cold open for that reason. <laughs> I mean, that's literally all I've been talking about with you guys and my other like cycling friends. Like, it's all we can talk about. It's it's on everybody's lips. Well, hey guys, maybe this is a perfect segue because you know what you definitely need if you're gonna be racing some gravel. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know what you need. You need the right tires. Come on. Let's talk about tires. Baby. Let's talk about FMB. Let's talk about all the good things I 
gator skin. Tires. You have a you got a little tire talk for us, Townsend? Oh, I thought somebody else did. I just saw it on the agenda. I didn't put it here. <laughs> no, let me tell you. I'll kick mm. it off. I'll yeah. actually kick it off. Yeah. Tire talk. All right. But actually, before I kick it off, real quick, I just want to say to anyone who's listening to this podcast that is interested in gravel, maybe you came out to the uh, Camp Shelby Gravel Grind or one of the other Mississippi Gravel Cup events or the Dead Man Gravel Grind, and you're all into the scene, but you've never really checked out any traditional road racing. We mentioned it. I mentioned it. Go watch this year's, or when it comes on, watch this year's Tro Bro Leon. And yep. you will see some very cool traditional road racing on some mixed surfaces. And it just, you know, the race has been around for a while. They have been racing gravel. Uh, this is not this is not a brand new thing. People have actually been racing on gravel for a while. Well, These are the pros, since, and this is since, a lot of fun. Since professional road racing began, yeah. they've been racing on gravel. Well, actually. Because yeah. the roads only were gravel yeah. at that point. Yeah, paved roads were the, were the you know. Were it was the, the old gravel. That was the gravel the of new the 50s. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Back to the back to tires. Um, I'll kick it off with this. You guys know that I just recently got myself a new gravel bike, a Niner. Yep. RDO RLT uh, bike came with some sweet Stan's carbon wheels, mm. and the stock tire that was very light. On those those wheels, uh, Stan's wheels, very too. very light. Yeah. Uh, and the stock tire though that came on that bike a little suspicious of was the Schwalbe G1 yeah 40 millimeter tire mm. which has the little round knobbies just on the it, right? little round knobbies and they're just consistent nubbies, just even. consistent small nubbies yeah. all across the surface and extending a little bit onto the sidewall of, uh, of the tire mm-hmm. uh, very kind of vanilla looking gravel tire nothing yeah. much to it uh, designed that's for, what I raced cross on all season is that right yeah well, I thought I had a couple thoughts. I thought, eh, why would they, why would they ruin this bike with this tire, with this wow. vanilla tread? Yeah, because what a niner know about yeah anything and 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 this it's forty millimeters. Who needs a forty millimeter tire Crazy. to ride on hard pack? It's too wide. The, so, wait, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, Townsend. How big a tire will that bike fit? Yeah, okay, Matt. Well, hang on. Let yeah. me just we'll just we'll get there in a second. Um, but I, so I thought, you know, here I am, the expert, right? In, in, you know, all these newfangled tires, you know, listening to Matt with his, with his compass tires and, and, you know, the, the, the WTB, you know, and all these other tires that I've sort of raced around with, with cross and, you know, so on thinking like, I'm, you know, I love this bike, but I'm definitely going to put a, put a new tire on it. Um, well, I was lazy. And the first few times I went out on the bike, I said, well, I'm just going to ride it with the tires that it came on. Sure. And then the race came. I said, you know, I just don't have time to set the new, set the new tires up. I'll go ahead and do the dead man gravel grind on, on these tires. Well, as it turns out, uh, Matt, as you suggested, Niner actually knows a lot more about mm. tires on bikes that are designed for dirt. Shocking. Than I do. Yeah. Because this tire, in concert with these wheels and this bicycle, provide an epically awesome and secure ride. They are fantastic. Now, I hadn't put any other tire on it yet, so I don't have any, any way to compare it. But I have literally now raced 
three really hard gravel races and not once during any of those races mm. did I ever think about my equipment. The only thing I thought about was riding my bike hard. Sounds like it's a good tire then. So I'm here to say that you're giving your tea, that you're giving the given the um the, the, tunica tunica t-bone the tunica t-bone endorsement two thumbs up <laughs> to the schwalbe g1 40 mil tire on this niner bike great job putting this tire with this bike guys i love it now now townsend just to uh, you know just for as a for Bodie and myself to comment is that a tan wall version of that uh, tire it is not okay so that, that's a demerit there um, yeah. If you bought a Canyon, it would come with the Tanwall version. I think they have exclusive rights to the to the Tanwall version of it. Of the Schwalbe G1. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the my bike. So uh, you buy a Canyon. Yeah. Sell it with the Blackwall versions and keep the Tanwalls. <laughs> or I could just. Well, right. So you're saying that I can. They, they don't. They don't sell them. It's, it's only it's only through Canyon you that I can get this. You need to buy a Canyon and get the Cabin Canyon black gravel card, and then you can turn that in. You call it the concierge service, and they hand deliver you the Tanwall Schwalbe G1s. Yeah. All right. For black card members only. So uh, your question, Matt, how big of a tire? Uh, I think that bike would accommodate a 44, and it might even accommodate mm. up to a 47. Yeah, I think it's got a, it's a, uh, I've been looking at the specs um, uh, on that bike. It seems to, it, it seems to tick all the right boxes everywhere. They seem to have that thing really well thought out, and uh, must admit, it is very tempting. Yeah. Uh, well, this I isn't just, this isn't bike talk or no, frame talk, talk or component talk, or else I would get into it more because well, I absolutely love the I bike. I just realized that I probably was the first place rider with Canty brakes at Camp Shelby. I did see a look. I had a quick look through the photos, and there was somebody else on Canties there. So, what yes. woman? A woman that I raced with that that uh, finished ahead of me mm. uh, from my group that. Uh, that was riding bike with uh, Canty brakes. Mm. I thought I was okay. Actually, I have the photos right here in front of me from right. this race. Uh, there's no one in my group that has Canty brakes, so I am the first Canty brake rider at Camp Shelby. Mm. You well, might have talk been, about maybe. might have been the first sub 35 mil tire guy too, huh? <laughs> I was in 35s. Yeah, those are yeah. Yeah. I had two different tires. Is it cool to ride two different tires? Is that a cool thing to do? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Super rando, man. Super rando. <laughs> um, well, I, I, have a, I have a little uh, tire talk too. Good. Um, I recently... So, you know, I've been constantly... You know, I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I have been in a quest for a 28mm tubeless tan wall. Oh, and that's right. Finally, challenge... Yeah released theirs they the announced it they announced it way back in september or something and they finally released the damn thing is this the perry roubaix it's the perry roubaix wait is this the pro hitler tire yes it is the, it is the pro hitler <laughs> oh my god um, it doesn't say hitler on the actual tire itself thank <laughs> but it does say htlr no it just says, no, it says tlr no, it says tlr and then it has another little thing that says handmade that's what the h stands for what so is it, it about is gravel and no vowels. Are vowels not allowed in gravel? No, it's just. I mean, it's all just. It's all you know. It, it has the longest label on a tire of like all the different things that it does. 
The only thing it doesn't, and it it smells gorgeous, feels gorgeous. It it's a handmade, gorgeous? so it, it's an open tube, open tubular, right? Oh, so, which means that it's really good at everything other than being mounted. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, and this is the worst. I still, what what's? Have you actually been able to ride this tire yet? He's still looking at it. Here's here's the worst <laughs> no, part. No, he's not. Here's the worst part about this. It is halfway on my wheel and I can't even get it oh, off. Right. Yeah. I can't even remove it. Right. It's stuck. <laughs> I have a wheel with a tire on it halfway on. Um, I can get the bead. I can get the second bead about three quarters of the way around. I've already broken one steel core lever. Wow. I bought, I even tried using a, I have a downhill, Pedro's downhill lever, which, um, and I've managed to gouge my brake track do, using that. And now I got these special um, park uh, steel core levers where there's like a little bit of exposed steel on the edge and everything. And I still cannot get the thing mounted on there. I have no idea what to do. It's well, literally stuck on my wheel. So if anybody out there in uh, Podland actually, has a suggestion. I think I read on a, on a very sort of fringe website mm -hmm. uh, about this that there's actually a special artisanal pork grease that you can order from Italy <laughs> that you've got to use to, to, to lube that up. I'm, I'm assuming you've tried soapy water and all that sort of stuff to Some get it. Some sort of ham bone. I it's yeah. like, it, it, I don't think water's going to help because it's not even like close to the bead, close to the, the rim yeah. to get it on there. So yeah. one thing I did read was somebody said, um, oh, before you put them on, put them in the oven and warm them up. Ah, bake them. Like warm them up to like, um, wow. to like, you know, 100 degrees fahrenheit or something <laughs> like literally like warm, warm melt them, just melt them a little bit melt them in the oven yep. i mean 100 degrees fahrenheit that's fine because that's like no, you know just riding on it that's just riding out on the summer yeah, day get them warmed up that'll make them more supple and then and then try and mount them uh the problem i have with that is a now it's stuck on the wheel and b my oven broke <laughs> so <laughs> uh, well i guess you're gonna have to fix your oven i've got to, to fix my oven tire but i can't get the tire off so, well, why do you need to get it off? Oh, you need to get it off to get it in the oven. Yeah, well, you can exactly. probably put your whole put wheel, wheel in there. I'm going to put the whole wheel in the oven. <laughs> is it carbon? The wheel? Yeah. No, but there how big is your oven? I don't know. <laughs> can you put a 27-inch wheel in your oven? So if well, anybody's got a really big oven uh, that could help me here. Or, I'm uh, sorry, my, my oven is only sized for 650B. <laughs> yeah, it's a rando. You've got a rando oven. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So that is my dilemma. So help me out out there in Podland. I just want to, before we wrap up Tire Talk, I want mm. to give a brief shout out to Emily who mounted a brand new set of tubeless tires on Friday before the gravel race. Nice. And they, nice. and they worked perfectly? Yeah, they were fine. All right. Well, that was a, that was a long <laughs> Tire Talk. This Tire Talk section is inside of the Grav Gav section. That's right. And yep. we, we, we have one more bit to finish out Grav Gav, and this might be the rest of the podcast, but Townsend, you had, an, you had a little segment, so I'm going to let you introduce this segment. Well, I had an idea that, uh, that, that came. The genesis of this idea was this whole idea of uh, pro gravel, yeah. you know, that's, that's gotten to be so, uh, so hip. Lately, all the pros going to do gravel, and are the pros doing gravel going to ruin gravel? And are there going no. to are there going to be you know pro teams that now show up and start trying to boss gravel races as a team? Maybe, maybe. And so my idea was, 
hey, if there was going to be a pro gravel team, because there were some pros that uh, that that uh, showed themselves in some in some recent um, UCI pro road racing mm-hmm. that were uh, former Rouge Roubaix winners, and I just started thinking about it, and uh, uh, their names popped into into my head, and I said, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if uh, the first ever pro gravel team was a team called the Rouge Roubaix All-Stars. Mm. I Rouge, like it. Rouge Roubaix being, of course, a, a mixed surface, uh, about 30% gravel race that uh, used to happen around here and was pretty popular for a long time, and we all hope it's going to be coming back at some point. But yeah. uh, we had guys like Ty Magner win this race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this team, just if I haven't said this already, would be comprised of former Rouge Roubaix winners. Okay. Uh, and they would just go around the country and just boss gravel races. So we'd have uh, Ty Magner. Yep. The two names that I thought of were, were Ty Magner and Travis McCabe. Yep. Those are the, the two. Now, we, neither, neither of those guys is necessarily known as gravel racers, right? They're they're both, you know, kind of more no. crit mm-hmm. racers and well, road Travis racers. Travis McCabe is the current U.S. national road champ. Ty Magner, former U.S. national crit champ. Yep. Travis um, McCabe currently r- racing in the Tour de San Juan. Made this jump to World Tour. We talked about there. Yeah. So I actually want to just jump in real quick. I I I want to I want to expand the not just the winners of Rouge Bay, but I want to go back top ten. Okay. okay. I finish the top ten Rouge Bay for my gravel team. Pick number one on my gravel team, Colin Strickland. Okay. He got Colin Strickland got uh he got seventh. In 2016. Okay. Well, I, I'll pick next. Okay. I, I'm going to pick uh, one, two, three, four, five, sixth place finisher in 2013, winner of the polka dot jersey in this year's Tour Down Under, Mr. Joey Roscoff. Wow. Oh, Ooh, nice. nice. Wait, what year was that? 2013, Joey, uh, Joey Roscoff. I did not. So 2013 was our first year. That's right. Me, me and you, Townsend, Matt. Matt, you were there, right? <laughs> was that for a while? <laughs> um, I didn't realize jo- Joey Roscoff was there. Our very first. I finished. Uh, that was my very first road race. Um, that was the first thing road race as a group. Joey Roscoff, what do you know? Okay. That was second, also my first road race. Yeah. My second pick, Barry Wicks. Same year. He got fifth. Oh, yeah. So we got Joey Roscoff. We got Barry Wicks. We got Travis McCabe. We got Ty Magner. Well, no pro gravel team would be complete without southeastern Call local Strickland. legend yeah brian toon right brian toon yeah. I, you know guy mr rando himself mr rando guy i mean I, he, he's i don't think he's on strava anymore but he would just if you don't know brian toon google him he probably sells a blog he'll ride a thousand of miles his family will go on a trip to michigan and he'll ride his bike up to michigan you know, in, in the middle of winter yeah you know He'll he'll ride his bike from Birmingham across to, a lake on ice and and have icicles off hanging off his beard. Like he's the guy you want. He's gonna he should go to D, uh, DKXL. He yeah. would be the oh he'd be perfect for DKXL. the guy for that race. Yep. Um, uh, Matt, do you have any picks for your your? Well, there Rouge is somebody. Uh, I I can't open these links. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> there is somebody I know who uh, likes that race a lot and. Uh, was was hoping to uh, to get to do it again and uh somebody that we know from the podcast 
Would that be Mr. Thomas Gibbons? Mr. Thomas Gibbons, yeah. He was the one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, 14th. 14th 14. place in 2016. Yeah, not a top 10, but, um, you know. Not a top 10, but yeah, we'll, we'll throw, I mean, we'll throw him a bone. We'll, we'll, we'll throw our buddy uh, Thomas Gibbons a bone. I believe I saw some pictures of him taken by Jerry Gruber uh, in the last week or so that uh, he looked like he was riding on some gravel. Interesting. So, yeah. Was it what kind of bike was Thomas riding? He was riding his old pink uh, uh, Alley, I believe. Uh, the Specialized Alley underrated gravel bike. Mm. Jaden Kiefer uh, has had great success on that. Well, Dan Swan, local. Da- they call it Dan Swan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gravel bike once you put the handlebar bag on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that is a great segue, talking about Thomas Gibbons, to move on to some road racing. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit dirty and dusty over here, rolling around in all this, all, right, uh, all these up. mud and rocks. So let's, let's go uh, jump in the showers yeah. and then. Uh, well, we're gonna jump in the, the showers and then the <laughs> we'll be back with some USA crits. <laughs> America, America. Born in the USA, So I guess what you just heard there was our new USA Crits theme song that we're going to play the rest of the year during our USA Crits. Yes. A new one. It's definitely got Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen in there somewhere, man. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to have to put, away, put together the most American uh, medley yes. ever made. Yes. All right. All right. For Yeah. So... USA Creds just came out with their calendar, their official calendar. Basically the same as last year, except for they added Spartanburg this year as right. a 10th race. So did they, okay, so I was wondering if they dropped a race. No, they added it as a 10th race. So they basically just squeezed it in there just before Athens, which obviously it's just before Athens on the calendar. So they now have that Speed Week, and they have two races. They have back-to-back races uh, during uh, Speed Week. So it's now a decathlon. Uh, it's a decathlon. That's right. Yeah. It's a decathlon overall with a duathlon there on that one weekend. Mm. All right. Awesome. Well, that's so, great. It's expanding. Ten races. Um, I'm excited. We're, it's kicking off the preseason at Birmingham. That's the same weekend as Mid-South Formerly Land Run. So thinking i'm not sure where my my uh what's the word my obligations are mixed my um yeah uh you it's on the tip of my tongue but i uh i can't can't quite get it um don't know if i'm gonna go to el paso feels kind of far away yeah west texas takes about seven days to drive across in my in my in my recollection but i'm definitely Definitely going to Speed Week this year, Townsend. I think I'm convinced you to come. I think as you've well. convinced me to come. Yeah, we're, I think we're I'm gonna... gonna hit up a friend of the pod, Dan Brock, who's gonna he's gonna have us. He's gonna give us a place to stay, mm. and we're gonna do just crazy. I US... thought you were gonna say we're just gonna do a lot of speed. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be watching a lot of speed at Speed Week for Spartanburg, Athens, and then whatever happens the rest of that week. Um, yeah. Winston-Salem, I'm going to go to Winston-Salem. Definitely going to that this year. 
So I was wondering if they were going to uh, add more dates around Tulsa Tough, but they're not. They're just going to do the, the, just the, the one. Friday. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and we got Boise. We got Salt Lake. We got San Rafael, which I always kind of want to. San Rafael. San Rafael. Yep. Littleton, which I was at last year. I'd like to make it back. And then the finals are in uh, Pennsylvania. Emily and I have family in Philadelphia, so I'm thinking I might make that trip as well. Uh, just pretty excited to see, um, to have the season kick off. You, I would definitely suggest you go to the USA Crits uh, website. There's a, They've listed the teams. There's some new teams. Um, there's more women's teams. So there's there's some team from Canada that I think I look on the Instagram page or Hamilton United something. And each I think each rider has a number. Like that maybe will be on their jersey. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, like a like a like a pro sports ball team. Right, exactly. Yeah, gotcha. Something that they've talked about in World Tour Racing and yeah. Well, Sky, when they were back, when they were Sky, they sort of did that one year, didn't they? They had, well, they had, no, they had their names on the jersey. That's right. Yeah. But they but, still do that. But yeah, but, but they had them fairly large, almost kind of sports ball style on, yep. on the back. Uh, so here, Bodie, you're talking about the, the, all the new teams. Uh, and on the USA Crits website, you will see all the teams that are all represented by a clickable version of their kit yeah. for this year. And so I'm going to suggest oh. for next podcast, Whenever that may be, be a couple weeks because we're not really on the weekly schedule anymore. We've got a lot to say, but maybe not quite so often anymore. But I'm going to suggest for the next edition of the podcast, yes. the next episode of the podcast, we do a little trash or panache. But instead of trash or panache, we pick our top. We rank the rank the USA team crits team hmm. kits USA crit team kits USA crits team our kits. top three. Yes. And, uh, I like I like that ranking the top three. I like that. And let's, let's do that. and let's get some input from from our listeners. If you guys are listening, go to the USA Crits website. Mm-hmm. Yep. Check it out. Get yourself stoked about USA Crits because look, we spent a lot of time in the first part of this episode talking about how awesome gravel racing and riding is, and it certainly is, no doubt about it. Um, it's a great sport to participate in as an amateur racer, um, but. U.S. street bike racing, crit racing, hot rodding, is a fantastic sport. And heartily endorsed by by all three of us sitting in this room, in addition to all the various other wonderful ways to to go out and ride bikes. But get stoked about this. Check it out. Um, It's all going to be free this year. That's right. I was going to say, yeah, this year they're live streaming everything for free. So you have no excuse not to watch. The streams are usually pretty good. Yep. Um, so it, it, it's a couple, couple hours to watch both men and women's right. pro races. You're not going to be watching three hours of um, Tim DeClerc sitting on the front of a peloton uh, across a, a, a plane somewhere. It's you know, going to be it's going to be all action all the time. Yeah. Get to know some of these folks. Get to know some of the personalities. Get to know some of the racers and riders. Because guess what? You may show up at a race that you want to do, maybe even a gravel race. And some of these folks may be lined up next to you. And you may have seen them race in, in USA Crits, and, and you may have a conversation to have with them. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that, because one of these jerseys, the Levine Law Group, was at the gravel race. Is on that Sunday. right? Yeah. Oh. I think she got second in the Women's Open 50. 
Oh, well, that's who I was riding with. Oh, there she you was go. the one that was on Candy Breaks. Oh, awesome. Yeah. New fan. Fan of this. Yeah. I'm going to find out this woman's name and I'll be a fan during USA Crits because she rode Candy Breaks. Mm. Yep. Awesome. And she came and did the gravel race. Yeah. So, you know. There you go. So anyway, and 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 guys, drop us a Synergy. line. Let us know. Synergy. Let us know what you uh, what you three. think. Your top yeah. three. Your top, top three, three kits. Top three men's and women's uh, kit. I just want to say that the Legion team looks like their kit has changed. It has. It's it's blue as opposed to predominantly black. They're kind of going for that urban south racing vibe. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> and I understand I, the uh, automatic racing kit may have changed slightly this year and that it might have a new sponsor logo on it. Oh. I actually heard a little rumor that um, Legion showed up to a collegiate race somewhere in California. Because sometimes collegiate races will have also just an open race. Yeah. Um, you know, for some you know January crit racing in California. And apparently there was a really dangerous turn on course, so they decided not to do it. Of course, that turn was appropriate for the collegiate racers but <laughs> yeah not the pros <laughs> but legion was like nah we don't need to and someone said that probably it was a uh, lance lance hate it lancey pants was like hey I, I don't know if he's he might be going to school in san Luis or california and he was like come on to this crit but anyway i did see justin williams was at a uh rafa uh camp at uh, in mallorca not that long Ooh. ago seemed to be uh, having a nice time there yeah. So anyway, I, I'm excited for this to start. Uh, like I said, Birmingham is the um, opener, the preseason opener, and that's March 14th. The Birminghammer Fest, as Birmingham. it should be called. Yeah, as opposed to the Birmingham Hammer Fest. <laughs> All right, we've talked up USA Crits, and I don't want to like suddenly trash it, but I'm going to go ahead. You said we're talking about Birmingham Fest. Hmm. You're going to trash it now? I'm going to trash the winner's jersey of the Birmingham Fest. Wait, where is it at? Is it's, it... the, it's the one that you sent me, Bodie, that you thought was maybe going to be the leader's jersey of USA Crits. Oh, thankfully that's not the leader's jersey? Well, I don't know. Oh. It may, because it was a slightly different version of that terrible look. I don't think so. And. An... I think I saw a, a photo of their leader's jersey, and if you look at well, it's Cola Vita, right? Is still the is still the sponsor of the leader's jersey. It's the Cola Vita leader's jersey. Mm, well, last year it was Jack Roo. I don't know. We should have done this research before we uh, podcasted. But if you look at last year, um, Rick Dangerblade, mm, he's on the podium, Brick. Yep, and he's wearing a different jersey. Than what Thomas Gibbons wore. Well, that was not part of that was not a series winner's jersey. Exactly. So yeah. that's where we're thinking. That was a preseason race. Um, I want to just I'm looking at this photo and I'm seeing this this shot of Leanne Ganser, um, at Winston Salem. This feels like a good segue to some road racing tour down under. Leanne Ganser moved, you know, Superman Hogginsburg Superman mm. closed down. Uh, Leanne Ganser moved to Rally. Yeah. Also. Chloe Hosking. Chloe Hosking. Big signing and, for them. Yeah, and American Lily Williams. Mm. Um, so good to see they moved on to that team. And, I mean... Not only was Chloe Hosking became uh, Aussie uh, crit champion. Did she? Yes. And then uh, she, I think she also won the first stage of the uh, Women's Tour Down Under. She did. And the overall was won by the American Road Race. <coughs> Yorkshire. National champion Ruth Winder, who yeah. yeah is from Yorkshire, 
who has the most English. interesting <laughs> accent. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, wait, you're an American? But then you're like, it's eh, not, not really. quite no. a British no, accent. No, she's, York, she's Yorkshire. She's the Yorkshire American champion. Well, how long has she been in the States? Uh, I don't know, actually. For long enough. Lo- long, so yeah, quite a, a while. Yeah. 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 Um, Townsend, you are showing me something there? I was showing you the uh, the uh, winner's jersey of the uh, Birmingham Hammerfest. Mm. Yeah, not not a fan. Mm, yeah, sorry, nope. not gonna. Nope. And and I'm but I'm a little concerned that this <laughs> is um, an overall motif for the entire USA Crit series, and that and that maybe that thing that you showed me, Bodie, which was very similar to this. Um, you know, I'll just say this to them. Sorry to interrupt. You're not interrupting. Go ahead. Okay, I'll just say this to them. What do they do in the Grand Tours? Just a solid color. Just give it a solid color and the sponsor logo, and that's all you need to do. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't try to be clever. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Pick a specific color that's going to be pretty unique, and then just go with that. That's my. That's my top tip. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Maybe a color that's not overly represented in the rest of the of the peloton so that it's distinctive right um just to go back to uh tour down under yeah tour down um, under. before we go on that uh pretty awesome i mean gotta say like trek segafredo did not have the best year last year and but they kind of got saved by uh mads peterson being world champion and he was very prevalent wait wait hang on this is let's 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 pause there for a second mm. The world champion, his name is Mas. Mads. You don't pronounce the D. You don't? Mas? Nope. I, Mas? I, I heard that on Twitter, well, and I well, confirmed. We, from Bjorn? With Bjorn. Uh, he's like, it's like, yeah, it's like Mas. Mas. Mas Pedersen. Mas yeah. Pedersen. Yeah. Uh, who was, um, well, I, I think pretty instrumental in them winning the, the men's race overall uh this year the the amount of work he did on the front on that in richie port winning the overall yes in richie port winning the overall uh so trek segafredo went what did the double they they won the women's and the men's tour down under so they've opened their account in a big way already this year yeah and and so port wins on no sorry actually he doesn't win on walonga no for the first time in seven years he did not win on Wollonga. He, he got not, second. He won the race mm. on Wollonga. Yes. He did not win Wollonga. No. And who was the guy that won Wollonga? Matt Holmes. Uh, first year in the first, his first race in the world tour. Also a Yorkshireman, right? Right. No, no, he's oh. from Wigan. Oh, Wigan. He's from Lancashire. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, the other side. Um, the yeah. other rose. He's from the other side. Yeah, he's from right. the other side. Uh, but he has been a domestic pro. For the last six years, you know, just um, he was on Madison Genesis uh, last, I believe. Oh yeah, got turned down by a bunch of pro Conti teams, but Lotto Sudal picked him up, and what a what Look a signing! He, I mean, he was he was in the original. He was in the break. break. He was in the original he in the break. break. He was the last survivor of the original break. There were two. I can't remember who the other one was. Mm. The Sunweb Port, guy. Yeah, the Sunweb guy. But Port dropped him like a bad habit. 
and and uh, what what's his name? Holmes. Stora. Michael yeah. Stora was. Michael, that's right. It was Michael Stora. Yeah. It was Stora and Holmes riding together. The last two survivors of the break. Richie Port had just been. Li- I mean, literally passing people like they were standing still as he yeah. was climbing up that. Right. I mean, apparently just, that was Richie Port's fastest ascent of Wollonga. It was. And he was sick. Crazy. Yeah, it's kind of insane to see how fast he goes up that hill. And then like there weren't, like, there weren't a bunch of slouches there with yeah. him. And he and then he accelerates again. It's like, how can you actually go any faster than the speed you're going? And but then you're like, well, that's it. This is his peak. This is Port's Peak. <laughs> Probably. Wollonga. This is it. It's all downhill for Port's the rest peak. of the season. That's what they they should rename it. Right? Port's Peak. Wollonga. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I mean, I love trash in Port when we talk about road cycling. So. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll have. He didn't win on Wollonga this year, so maybe he'll. You're have right. A year. You're right, Matt. Maybe yeah. Maybe maybe this is what it needs. Maybe he's 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 gonna ride into form. Yeah. Do we know what Grand Tour he's doing? Because. Because uh, he's not going to win it. Well, it, he's well, not going to make it. I mean, I mean, that's optimistic. Thinking he'll make it to a grand tour. So uh, we'll see. Well, I would just say make it the comment that Jumbo Visma has already announced their Tour de France team. <laughs> so I didn't know if we had any idea. Is Wout on it? Is Wout on the Tour de France team? Yes, I think so. He has to be. Mm. Uh, real quick, though, we were talking about Mass Pedersen. Yes. Uh, and how awesome is it to see? the world champion as the you know domestique for port port's got what they're four minutes behind the break at one point in that yeah over race. four yeah um there's actually somebody in the break who's only 57 seconds down on yeah, gc joey, joey roscoff, joey roscoff. Amer- that's American right joey roscoff coming right back around to gravel right winner of the kom yeah there was a chance that he, he was the virtual leader on the road and there was a chance that he could actually yeah. win the overall uh, if so, track didn't pull back the break right. so he did Trek, he did win the uh, uh the KOM. climbs jersey yeah yeah he did uh, so, so yeah, Trek, I mean, there certainly had some other, some other folks that were working, but, uh, and, and obviously it's a lot more noticeable when the guy who's wearing the rainbow stripes is on the front drilling it than just some other random Trek dude. But, you know, Cone de Court was putting in some work and there plenty of guys that were sacrificing themselves. But Pedersen, Pedersen did, honestly, it seemed like it must've been about a 12 minute pull on the front. And he took and about then, two minutes off. And then you, th- yeah, you think his day is done. Well, he, but he, he went straight to the back, shot yeah. straight to the back. And you're like, okay, well, they, great work. I mean, you would have thought at that <laughs> yeah. point, like, amazing. That yeah. guy just drilled it for 12 solid minutes, probably at like 550 watts or something completely insane. Three minutes later, after he disappears and off to the back, three minutes later, dude's back on the front, <laughs> putting in, and then does like another... Five or six minutes on the front. Uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. I was like, what? I was like, I thought he was going to be like just, it looked like he was just going to be like shot 10 miles back down the road. Like he'd just done a Kwiatkowski on one of his epic pulls, you know, where he yeah, just thrown like, his glasses off. Yeah, and just like <laughs> given up. Do you know why we haven't seen that in a while? Well, we hadn't seen a, a world champion as a domestique. Because you had Valverde, yeah. who and then even had, if his yeah. other teammates yeah. were the leader, right. he's going to race. Them. He was still racing with them. Yeah. Well, nobody, had, nobody in Movistar works for anybody else, right? At all. Exactly. And then you had Sagan, who 
it's pretty much in contention for almost every race, and then he's not going to be right. cl- climbers domestic. So yeah, when is the last time we just had a had a regular Joe world champ that was you know essentially working as a domestique in in week long and and grand tours? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, I mean, I guess Kwiatkowski was the last one. Kwiatkowski was the last world champ who would do that sort of thing. Yeah, would he do it in the rainbow jersey? Um, did he do it? He was in the rainbow at. Sky, he probably did do it in the rainbow for a bit. Yeah. 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 Phil Gill may have done some domestic work in some of the bigger grand tours when he was, uh, when he was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Seems anyway. like a guy who would. Yeah. Anyway. Again, we digress. Yeah. Road racing is essentially here. We have. Well, is it here? Because this Sunday is Groundhog Day and we've got a gravel ride on Groundhog Day. And we have to wait well, to see because if Tunica T Bone sees his shadow, We've got six more weeks of gravel until the road season starts. <laughs> well, t- Sunday is also something else fairly significant. Uh, That's right. Because, Other than Groundhog Day. Yeah, there's something else going on this weekend. The Superb what? Owl. Uh, yes. Well, no, 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 no. I was thinking of... Cyclocross the, World Championships. Yes, a more important event than, than the Superb Owl. Uh, yes, it is the, it is the Cyclocross <laughs> Super, World. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the final stage of the Tour de San Juan. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Wow, so um, much going on Sunday. But I tell you what, I, the one I'm most jazzed about is um, Cyclocross World Champs. The only thing I'm not jazzed about is what I've seen of the course. Oh, wait, Matt, though, you, you said Sunday. And Saturday. But Saturday is actually oh. the day that I'm most excited about. Cramped up. Oh. <laughs> oh Bodie's, Bodie's like, it's podcasting hard there. He's just actually cramped up and has to climb off the saddle. Get this guy some electrolytes. Wow, this is live. This is happening live in the studio, guys. Bodie is going (laughs) to... We're going to have to get a swanee. Bodie's popped. (laughs) He's cracked. He's off the back. (laughs) Oh, Oh, he looked like he was going to take the climb, but no, he completely... He was like, wow, to Stradibianchi. Oh, he made it all the way through the first four segments, but he couldn't make it through the fifth. He fell off the saddle right near the top of the climb. Oh, my God. That was the little hammy cramp there. Uh, Little pod... pod, You know, we haven't podcasted in a while, Pod cramp? Little pod cramp. I haven't podded this hard in a long time. We have not podded this. It's been a while. It's been a while. You're out of practice. I'm out of practice podcasting with you two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously okay. you've been doing just like sort of like just gentle zone two podcasting, yeah, indoor work on the recently. trainer, I guess. Right? Yeah, you haven't been it's getting first ready ride for outside well, in a while. Well, it's really what it is is I've been like <laughs> <laughs> we we are jumping around like disciplines, and you know when I'm podcasting on Cyclocross Radio, the Media Pit, go check out that podcast. Yeah, you know, we stick, wow. we just stick to shameless. St- we stick to cyclocross but we've been talking about gravel and crits and road racing his brain cramped up it was too much yeah jumping off the gravel bike right onto the road bike and then you park the road bike and try to remount the cross bike all of a sudden and just whoa just pull the hammy Mm. wow all right well so yeah yes Saturday is the is the women's world champ so it's the men's U23 and the women's elite uh, champs on Saturday and the men's junior. Um, that's right. And then the uh, women's U23 and the men's elites on Sunday. And the women's junior. This that's is the right. They're doing a women's junior women's this year. Junior. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's coming up. We're stoked about that. Yeah. Um, 
listening to my other podcast if you want to hear cyclocross news. Wow. Again. <laughs> oh, we, we got. I, We're I mean, done. We can't. We we can't do no, cross no, anymore. No, no, we can do cross. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What? Wow. I mean, listen I want to know. Or, or listen to mine and Townsend's new podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. It's well, called <laughs> the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look. Let me hear it. So who's your right. who's your pick? Well, I'm not going to tell you my pick just yet because I want, but I want to just say I think the women's race this year, I, I think it's wide open. Yeah, I, I, I would have said a few weeks back, mm. you know, uh, Alvarado really had the edge on everybody, yeah. um, and and I still feel like she's got to maybe be the favorite. But Amory Verst, I think, has really come back on the scene. And the other thing about that is. If you if you sort of drill down into the kind of mano a mano you know battle between various cross racers, um, you know Amory Verst really kind of ha- is in Alvarado's head about being able to out sprint her if it comes down to a sprint. I think I think you saw that in Hugerheider. I think you saw you know Alvarado really feeling like she needed to try to find a way to to, to put some distance between her and 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 Worst on that last lap. Well, I mean, lap she straight up needs to. I mean, she yeah. needs to. That is the thing. Her that's that's her one sort of crutch is that she she can't go to the line with those two, Brand or Worst. That's she right. needs to get a gap before the start straight, yeah. and then and you know she's not going to come around them. Well, well, you just oh. said it, but that's. My my pick is going to be Brand. This is not a course for Alvarado, right? There's where is she going to do it? Where is she going to get know. the we gap? Don't, I haven't seen much. I saw a little video of. Did you something. watch the virtual? <laughs> no, I haven't seen the virtual, but I saw something that happened there before. It's like no tech whatsoever. This is a Brand power, and Brand can yeah. out sprint all of them. Oh my gosh! I mean, we saw that. At, oh my gosh, she was so at fast at Hoogerheide that it was a long start straight, and Brand just put in these. Like a, like just just smash it on the start finish straight, so yeah. I mean, I think it's similar to Bogenza and where it's like Bohenza, Bohenza, where it's like straight and then like feature and then like power and then like feature. Um, yeah, but even so, less. I think it's maybe even less challenging by the looks of it. But we we don't know until we we you know. I think we're not going to know really till Saturday when we. Okay, see it. so all right. Well, what's your pick? Um. You know, look, I'm still going to just go with my sentimental favorite and 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 the person that I think's been most consistent throughout the year. I think that Alvarado finds a way to I think that Alvarado finds a way to win it. I would like to I I, I would like Alvarado to win too, but I think Brand's going to win. Well, I mean, I I want Alvarado. I think she can win, but I I think I think it if it comes to a sprint, it's going to be worst. And you know what that means, right, guys? Mm. Sana Khan's going to win her fourth world championship in a row. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she well, did get on the podium. I don't think either any of us would be unhappy about that. No. I mean, I think it would be a really good story if she sort of really played her form that well to peak for yeah. Worlds. But she um, was, I mean, she was dangling at Hugerheide the whole time, but managed to stay stay there she is relentless when she wants it she's relentless yeah she wouldn't have podiumed if alvarado hadn't crashed but she right. was she was close enough to capitalize on the crash could have so. should have would have right so who's gonna get second <laughs> in men's elite yeah oh i've got one for that i'm gonna go out i'm all hyped from watching that video earlier tom pitcock is gonna get second 
crazy. It's not, it's not a cause to sue it's him. It's not... It's not a cause to sue him. Okay, it's not completely crazy, mm. but... It's left field. It's a little bit. Yeah. Pidcock, you, yeah, the course... I think tone is more the likely. The way tone and LA have been riding. Yeah. I think Tone that's, or wow to the more likely two, but those are the ones you're going to pick, so I'm going for Pidcock because Yorkshire. I mean, you don't know that I'm not going to pick Lawrence Sweek. <laughs> you might. You're not, though. I'm not going to pick Lawrence Sweek <laughs> for second place. Because he's a faker. Um, he's not elite. I, he's like Joe Flacco. I'm not 100%. Yeah, wow. Wow. I'm not 100% confident picking, picking Wout for second place either. I just don't, mm. you know, I just don't, I was, you know, watching Huga Hyde and I just, I don't know. Uh, I'm not Huga Hyde, uh, but what was the race on, on Saturday? Oh, yeah. Oh, that one. Zonabecki. Yeah. Where so, he finished second. Yeah, but, it, and he was, he was riding well and riding strong. But technically I just, very good. Yeah, technically very good. I just, I just don't know. Uh, I'll pick Tone Ertz. All right. So that leaves for you. Well, I can, I can also pick Tone Ertz. And I mean, I, I, that was going to be my pick. I, I think that Tone is, his form is his back. He's obviously, he's, he's feeling better from his cracked, fractured ribs. Um, I mean, Ellie's, Ellie is riding also really strong. You know, could there be someone outside of those three? Could could Wout do it? I don't. I, I, I yes, Wout could do it. I mean, Wout there's no doubt Wout do could it, do it. But I, I do feel like it's yeah. It's I think it's gonna be um. I think it's gonna be Tone. All right, a good second. All right. Oh, who's gonna get first, guys? We didn't we didn't ask that. David Vanderpool. <laughs> <laughs> the other Vanderpool. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, I don't want to go through all of this, you know, U23 stuff, but I just want to say, you guys, you know, it's 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 a dark horse, without a doubt. But guys, Katie Klaus has been doing really well in women's U23 World Cups. I mean, she's been finishing top five. She's been beating the likes of Anna Kay in, in, the, in the women's races. Mm. I think she's got a legitimate shot at, at being the, the U23 women's world champ. Sure. Um, she does. And I'm, sorry, and, and, and I'm and I'm absolutely pulling for her to do that. I think that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Um, and maybe our elite, how do you think our elite national cyclocross champion will do in the U23s? That would be Mr. Gage Hack. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, who's, who's, uh, you know. Tenth. That's my call. Top ten. Top 10 would be great. Top 10 is good. Who, who wins that race? The U23s? Uh, probably Ryan, uh, Ryan Camp. Yeah, probably Brian Ben Wast. Benoit. Benoit. Benoit's another good choice. I, I actually don't know that field that well. Yeah, yeah I, I don't either. I'm Benoit or Camp or. Um, Alpes and Phoenix could sweep a lot of them. You know, Benoit, Camp, Tullet. Um, I'll tell you, my, my picks for the junior women is Puck Peters. Okay. I called it on this show a few last year, two years ago. Yeah. That she was the next. Tebow Nice wins the junior men. Yeah. He better, or yeah. otherwise he's gonna get cut off from the team. <laughs> Man, talk about like, uh, did you see like Sven even like posted a picture of him like because he got you know he um, he had a mechanical or whatever on the yeah. last race because he'd won every single World Cup except for the last one 
finished third and yeah, he's third, on the podium yeah. and he's like he's like you know he's like his and whatever in belgium belgian or that uh flemish whatever he'd like posted like you know his face looks like a storm cloud or whatever you know? it's like <laughs> he was just like really yeah there was happy. a there was a podium pout uh bill showed me a photo of that yeah um yeah sucks to finish you know third once. yeah that's interesting thinking about t-bone knees and that you know trying to you know the next belgian uh hope and also in terms of the world champions like the world championships he might be their only one to uh win a gold medal mm, that's very true uh yeah i mean that's vanderpool and the men yeah. you've got the three dutch women and the women with sonic maybe knocking on the door i mean you've got juniors probably going to be dutch uh U23, I think we just said some Dutch names. Women's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, true. There you, there you go. Crazy to think about. That is crazy to think about. That, like, yeah, I mean, you think of their dominance in the sport and they might only have junior men. Yeah. All, All right. right. What are, are we done? Have we got anything We're, else? We, we would, you know, we have, we have a review. <laughs> we do. Wow. We say, yeah. yeah. What, does it say this podcast is way too fucking long? <laughs> How long are we at, man? It's like, um, well, I mean, it's still a little bit shorter than The Irishman at this point. Uh, All right, well, let's just quickly get to it. This yeah. is this is from December 4th, so this is at the last time we recorded. Uh, this is a review from, it's a five-star review mm. from Spinning Taco. Spinning Taco? Oh, it's, it's, is, it a, is, is it a review or just a rating? It's an actual review. Okay. And Spinning a rating. Spinning Taco. Spinning Taco. Okay. Says, See you, if I can figure out who this is by, by the review. USA Crit Official Podcast. Love the podcast. And yes, you guys should be the official voice slash podcast for North American Crit Racing. Exclamation point three times. Please help save American road racing. And this just me, this just may be the only way. Shine some light on the American cycling superstars of the USA Crit Series for exclamation points. So Spinning Taco, we agree. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the review. And we're going to try our best to do that. I think that review was written by a certain tattooed taco. <laughs> a certain taco, ta- excuse me, temporary taco tattooed Tom. Ah, yes. Taco, that's that's t- who Taco Tommy, as Matt would say. Temporary <laughs> taco, taco tattoo taco Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. Does he have jalapenos on his tacos? <laughs> on on tortillas. And I'll just we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. We'll see if any of our listeners can figure out who temporary taco <laughs> tattooed Tommy. Very is. well, maybe. Yes. Very so, well, maybe. Could All be. right. Could be. Well, well. Thank so, you. So there we go. Uh, well, so spinning ta- taco. Uh, do you remember what keep we do the taco now? Taco spinning. Do you know? Do you remember what we do now? Uh, I think we close out the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, this is a T-bone patting myself on the back, and when I reach around to pat myself on the back, I'm patting the leader's jersey of the Mississippi <laughs> Gravel Cup series. Wow! Wow! Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. Um, this is. <laughs> How do you follow that up? Huh? I don't know. Uh, this is Sir Cheerio saying, uh, "Pick up to Matt Holmes, uh, Bolonga Hill. That was an awesome win. Great to see you. Can't wait to see more of that." Bye. And this is the Bodie Bodie saying, you can call me Michael or you can call me Bodie, but the only one who calls me Bodie Bodie is me. Um, if you have any questions, <laughs> comments, or concerns, you can write this podcast at yeahyouride at gmail.com 
or drop us in or slide into our DMs or my DMs at Yeah You Ride on the Instagram. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I'll see you next time when we talk about Alvarado being the rainbow stripe winner of the Nash of the World Championships. I call you Bodie, Bodie, if you don't hear me the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Bodie. <laughs> Bodie. <laughs> <laughs>